Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 25 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. And I'm your host, Andrew Coates. And you're gonna have to forgive me, I'm a little tired and brain frazzled tonight because Carolyn McDonald and I tried to record this morning, but uh, they, I guess she's moved into a new building and the fire alarm was going off the entire time. So we scrapped it. We rescheduled it for later after a, a long day's work. So hopefully she's a little bit more alert than I am, but uh, that's what she's here for, right? So uh, welcome to <laughs> have you here. I don't know how alert I'm going to be. I mean, I literally just fixed myself a gin and tonic, so we shall see. <laughs> I wonder how many guests in, in the history of this podcast have actually been at least in part like having a drink or more. I know there's one episode that one of the guests was, you know, a little, it was a very, very early one. Well, actually, so was the other host, Dean and our friend Jordan Jeske both had gotten into some drinks at an event and then came back to record a podcast. One of the very earliest ones. So it's a running joke. But uh, you're more professional than that, being the director of marketing. Uh, yeah, the director of marketing at Renaissance Periodization. So that's a super cool role that keeps you really busy. So anything interesting you've been up to that you are allowed to talk about before I uh, dive into this episode? A lot about content creation, which you and I both tend to talk about a lot. Yeah, um, I mean the main thing that I'm cur- I'm currently working on and have been working on in the past year, which is why I've been like a wall off on social media, uh, is the RP Diet app, now known as the RP Diet Coach app. So we're currently going through just like a mini rebranding, um, trying to get more information out there about the app, especially as we start to update it with new features, better UX UI design. So it's pretty exciting. Um, the app is relatively new, so we're in the stage where it's constantly improving. And we're, we're just grown really quickly. Hence why I'm barely on social media. And I've been, I've become a ghost. I've become the ghost of the woman I used to be. <laughs> well, an interesting thing, and I kind of, this leads into some of the stuff we'll talk about. You know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, have to think about, all right, what's the purpose of their social media, right? Are you as a mm. professional doing it to grow brand and reach to be able to access more, more clients, potential clients, which I think is a part of it for a lot of people, or are you trying to grow brand and reach in a, in a larger space to potentially step into the educational space? And I think, you know, both of those things sort of are kind of true in my world. Um, but then you get a lot of people who end up employed or like ultimately along the way, they end up employed in, in a fairly secure fashion with a company versus being a, you know, an individual brand. And I've had that conversation before with Mike Dola, who runs Stronger You, and, and a number of um, you know, other guests recently. John Russin and I had a conversation about this where he's assembled a really great team of people who are, are amazing fitness professionals, but yet individually haven't gone out of their way to establish really large, broad industry followings the way that John himself has, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think working under the umbrella of a, a successful organization and being secure there can take the responsibility of being super active and growing brand and reach on social media, you can remove that responsibility to a certain extent. And then it just becomes, all right, do you enjoy creating and being present? Or, you know, does that take away from the the commitments to your, your role, right? And in your case, you don't need to have a big brand. When you and I talked originally about you launching, you know, you have a podcast, which I know you haven't worked on in a while and your website, which you hmm. have written for, then that you were thinking about maybe going in a different direction, right? And growing out a, a stronger individual brand. Mm-hmm. And once periodization happened, which is an amazing job. I mean, there are people quite literally begging to go on with them. <laughs> um, 
By and large, they're very. It was a fluke. Let's let's be honest here. I it was a fucking fluke. I oh, was shocked. It was, a, <laughs> it was a you know a connection relationships, mm-hmm. your skill set and their need, and it was a really perfect fit. So you know. I mean, so so you were go you were talking about how like uh, when it comes to content creation, different people have different purposes behind the content that they're creating, and sometimes it leads to a better or like more developed personal brand. And sometimes it leads to more gainful like employment somewhere else. Um, and I remember when I first launched my website and my podcast are again, shit done, uh, com. a little bit sh- shameless brand <laughs> promotion here. Um, my, my goal was literally just to keep myself busy, kind of develop a personal brand for myself because I wasn't feeling particularly professionally fulfilled in the position I was in at that moment. I was looking for more opportunities to grow uh, my copywriting skill set, my content creation skill set, and just see where I could go with that. Um, and oddly enough, it led me to Mike Irsvertel, who you introduced me to. Um, we had a great podcast uh, where I interviewed him. It was really funny. I was fucking... I was just floored with how just like down to earth Mike was. And I thought, okay, cool. Like I met this like big name in the fitness industry and he's probably not going to remember me after this. <laughs> so a few months pass after uh, my podcast interview with Mike and I was kind of looking for a job, not really looking for a job. I think everything happened so quickly. So I was in a state where I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do professionally or career wise. And within 24 hours, Mike was like, hey, so do you want to hop on a call? Um, I'm, I might have something to offer you at RP. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and, and if it wasn't for the podcast and my website, I don't think I would have ever had that chance to meet Mike. And even more importantly, if it wasn't for the content that I was producing through my website and like guest posting and everything else, I don't think I would even have people to vouch for me because people didn't vouch for me because I was popular or anything. I was a relative, like relatively a nobody in our industry. I always worked behind the scenes. I was more of like a little worker bee. Right. Um, but my content spoke (laughs) for, for, um, my quality of work. It showed, it showed everyone what I could do, what I was capable of, and what I was really passionate about. And it worked as my resume without requiring me to write a resume, which was nice. And you hit on something really important there. And it's why I, I will come around to the importance of social media, but I, I really am a big believer that you also need to have something deeper than just social media mm-hmm. to engage people with like there are a lot of people who will love your work so much they will be looking for something deeper than just a a daily post on instagram i've certainly found that to be true and long form content is i think an essential part of anyone who really wants to build a strong individual brand be that in the form of podcasting uh article writing both of which i do or you know a youtube channel which again talk about mike isertel and renaissance periodization you know that's a really strong suit of mics but a lot of other people do youtube really well so I think it's a great idea to pick a format that you're probably strongest at or most interested in that you will do. And even if you kind of suck at it at first, but develop that and have it because this past, you know, 12 months or so, I put a lot of effort into my social media. Anybody who's a longtime listener here or follows my social media would have seen that growth. I went from about under 3000 followers at the beginning of last year to 
I'm at 11 and a half thousand right now. And, and my actual goal for the year is to 20 to 25. And that was in part due to consistency. It was in a very big way to part due to the effort I put into creating quality ideas that was very shareable. But it was also in a big way to two other factors. It was having the backing of, you know, writing for a major publication and having that article writing. And here's the big one. You already hit on this is industry relationships. And this is something that's people often forget along the way. And it's not just about trying to curry the favor of you and I both know Mike Isertel, right? That doesn't mean every, and Mike is, like you said, down to earth and a great guy, but he will literally have trouble knowing who every single person is, or he might just simply be kind of intimidating to someone who's a little newer to their career, who hasn't had a chance hmm. to know the person as we have. So for you, the people you should be looking around to are your peers, the people are on the same path that you are on, because a lot of those people are going in a pretty cool direction. You don't know who is going to hit it, quote, big. Not that you're trying to bet on lottery tickets, though. That way someone will do well to drag you along with them. But <laughs> I mean, I'm riding on your coattails. That's, that's, my, that's my plan for the rest of my life. I'm like, if anything goes wrong, I'm okay. I'm just going to ride on Edge's coattails for the rest of my life. Well, I think you're going to be rather disappointed, but uh, <laughs> I am far from a big hotshot in the industry, but um, I, I work hard to kind of achieve the, the level of, you know, success in various different metrics that I have, right? And, and hopefully a lot more to come. But I, I really do think that it is valuable to pay attention to where your peers are at in the industry Mm-hmm. And help them along the way. Don't make it all about you. If, if you go at it with an abundance mindset and you share other people's work, they're far more likely to see your support. You know, they're far more likely to, to help you back. And each individual person won't necessarily help you in a one-to-one scorekeeping relationship. Don't worry about the keeping score. But on the aggregate, if you approach it with as much, trying to help and share and support as many people as possible in various ways, I've found that it comes back to you tenfold as an aggregate from everybody, not you know just from one individual person who I'm trying to get to help me out. You don't bet on getting Eric Cressy's attention and then having Eric share something of yours and all of a sudden you've made it. That's not how any of this stuff works. Mm-hmm. A lot of connections, a lot of support from a lot of different people. Yeah, people can sense insincerity. And if they know that you're doing something nice for them purely because you res- you expect something in return. It's more of a quid pro quo relationship. They're more reluctant to help you in the long run. And if they can sense that you're being genuine and really, really want to help someone out purely because you want to see them do well or just because you're just a generous person, um, they're going to be one of the first people to reach out when you really need help, even if you don't ask for it. And I found myself in that situation last year. It was shocking because um, when I was looking for work, um, multiple people reached out to me, (laughs) which was, which was surprising because for a long time, I had been working behind the scenes. Nobody really knew who I was. And by the time that moment rolled around, I had only been really in the fitness social realm for like six months. So I was new blood. I was like green as fuck. I was shocked that people knew who I was. Uh, My website had only been around for like two, three months. My podcast had only been around for two months. I, yeah, I, I was surprised. And at the end of the day, I think it boiled down to the fact that I was genuinely just trying to do good work. I was trying to be as helpful as possible so I can learn, but also help other people along the way. Um, I, I believe that 
the best way to prove to yourself or or develop your skills um, is to actually put what you know into practice or put what you think you know into practice. It's the only way you can improve and help another people with the skill sets that you're trying to develop is a great opportunity to not just like develop that skill set, but also contribute. Let's sort of frame this into a few different like thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. Repeat ourselves a little bit, but we're going to have at least two different kinds of people in the industry who are listening. There are going to be the people who are really struggling to get started. We'll come back around to those people second, but there are people who are already really working on this. They are sharing on social media. They are writing, they are creating, but they're struggling to gain traction. What do you think those people can do to have more of an impact with what they're already doing? And, and what are they probably doing wrong for lack of a better way of saying it? Where are they misallocating their, their time and effort? Yeah, so um, Mike Isertel said this, I don't remember when he said this, I think he may have said it a few times on like a few different platforms. So he was like, don't post shit that you don't think your followers are looking for. Like no one fucking cares about your dog pictures. It's not a personal Instagram account, right? You can, you can, if you want to post pictures of your dog, keep it on your personal Instagram account. But if your goal is to drive traffic, gain followers and increase engagement, then on that Instagram account that you're using for your professional brand, you need to curate to your audience and what they're specifically looking for. Like Mike, the reason why he's posting the type of pictures he does and resharing the type of articles and videos he does is because he knows exactly what his followers are looking for. And he is catering to their like needs and to their demands. And I think one of the biggest mistakes new like influencer wannabes or uh, business owners make is trying to do too much of everything. I understand the need for experimenting with your brand and the need for experimenting with content, but you need to be able to narrow it down and focus on just like one or two things. And then optimize from there. If you're diluting your brand, nobody knows what you actually have to offer. So people get confused. So they don't know whether they should follow you or not, or they follow you because they think you're giving them something that they want to offer. Like let's say fitness advice. And then like one or two day in all they see are like political posts or like dog pictures. And they're like, what the fuck? I wasn't looking for this. Um, it really is it really is like just consistency to be quite honest, focus and consistency. I like, I'll, I'll touch on, well, first of all, you mentioned politics. I think going anywhere near politics is the absolute kiss of death. And I've said, this yes, media. <laughs> incredibly um, stupid. I'll, I won't go into a long detailed thought on this, but you have to at a certain point decide, are you a fitness professional? Or are you an activist? And mm -hmm. very, very, very few people can do both. And there are some fitness professionals out there who they think they're fitness professionals, but you know, your brand is not what you think you are. Your brand is what people see you as. Yes. And people see them as activists and, and that alienates a very large potential group of people who just don't want to engage in that stuff. And, you know, feedback I certainly have heard quietly from my followers is they value the fact that I don't go into politics or social issues because well, number one, our society is polarized and this stuff's everywhere anyway. So they can get that all over the place. And oftentimes they're looking for a refuge from it. Um, and 
you know, people can pick and choose their resources. And I think you can choose to follow people who are more engaged in this. But as a fitness professional, I think if you want to grow reach and brand first and gain success, financial success, but yeah. you're fresh about these issues, then I think, first of all, with financial resources and, and more career success, that gives you more latitude to do things. And honestly, I think it's far more valuable to donate money to causes that matter to you or donate your time than to engage in, and I will say this bluntly, empty virtue signaling on social media and give yourself a pat on the back for a job well done, which is what a lot of people are doing. And you, everybody listening knows people who do this kind of crap. At the same time, you're putting a sword right through the foot of your, your career and ability to grow reach. There are a small handful of people who are very prominent who turn around and choose to take on these causes, but they were quite established before they really went there. But let's move off of that one. And you, you know, you mentioned dogs as well. So someone listening to it might be like, well, Andrew posts Aussie. Well, I put up a picture of him recently on my wall, um, but he you know, makes it a rare appearance on my wall. He shows up in my story and my stuff is overwhelmingly fitness related, like overwhelmingly so. But then, you know, it's also important to humanize yourself and let people see you as a person and not just a, as a robotic brand. So, and Mike himself shows aspects of who he is you know, his interest in, uh, you know, Dragon Ball Z and that sort of culture. You mean his uh, obsession with Dragon Ball Z? Exactly. Not interest, obsession. <laughs> the fitness realm. Oh, my God. Flickers of, you know, personality. And I think you have to add those layers of personality. But if it's all personality with very little fitness substance, it goes nowhere. And if your wall is entirely like, like he said, the like dog pictures. Yeah. Cool. Well, again, it's like the, the activist versus the fitness professional. Are you a you know, a dog meme account or are you a, a fitness account, right? It's all about consistency, right? Like definitely have um, a few posts that shows like, hey, I'm a person. I like, I, I'm i just like you. I, this sounds so cheesy. This sounds like a PR move, but I'm just like you. I'm not just like this like void brand. And that's what makes Mike so likable because despite the fact that he's like freaking super smart and he is a big name in our industry, he has this obsession with Dragon Ball Z that a lot of guys in the fitness industry can relate to. Like he poses like random like eating challenge, like food challenges and, and Charlie is the same and Jared's the same. Like all these big names they're big for a reason. It's a combination of their work and their personality. But the, the thing that they all do that's the same that makes them like so successful is that they know that their professional Instagram account functions like a business, right? And just like a business, the smartest thing you can do is set expectations and consistently deliver. And that's what they do. And that's what they're good at. Whereas like, I see a lot of like new blood coming into the fitness industry or just any industry in general, joining Instagram and thinking that like, Hey, like, do you know what I should do? I should just like post selfies. That's all I should do. I should post selfies, but then put, put fitness motivational quotes on my selfies. And it's completely wrong. It's a terrible approach because one, I know social media is like a platform that enables narcissism, but if your brand is focused on service or helping people, you should not be posting selfies because now you're confusing your audience. Are you promoting your face and your looks or are you promoting your service and what you can offer people in order to improve their own life? Because the captions say that you're offering service and uh, fitness education, but then your pictures are just vanity shots. And this is, you know, the 
what we often see is like everything is a selfie. It's really okay. In fact, I think, again, it's important to humanize yourself and be seen. If anything, I'm kind of guilty of not putting my, my images of myself to be relatable on my media. I remember when I did, I changed my um, my profile picture to kind of that more jacked, lean, muscular, gym bro looking thing to a more accessible and uh, less intimidating uh, photo, which a lot of people were pushing me to do. And so I, thought, I said, shit, okay, fine, I should do this. Um, and then I wrote a bunch of random things about me that people didn't know. And that's actually still one of the most commented on posts I've ever posted on social media. And people were really interested in yeah. it. Yeah. Don't post a selfie every day, actually. I don't even post one per month let alone scarcity <laughs> scarcity exactly right so when it's finally time you know people are interested in aspects of you and i'll probably do it again soon uh and you know what it'll probably do fairly well now here's really something crucial and this is one of the keys to why i was able to grow my reach uh and and following is what you're posting has to be shareable now yes that bowl of vegetables you may have a great caption around it but in of itself outside of like once in a while is not shareable. No one's sharing your bowl of fucking um, you know, strawberries and beets and, and what have you. And busy, cluttered um, images aren't really very shareable. And mm -hmm. the video of you working out, doing basics and routine, which again can fit on your social media, there's a place for it. But if it's always you doing one or at max PRs, or you, you want to help general population people. And again, I'll occasionally do that, but rare. You know, that stuff's not shareable. What is shareable are familiar patterns and formats. My Twitter posts, anyone who's on my media knows that I post my ideas in Twitter format. A lot of people do it. It's getting more common. People probably don't want to do it because, oh, everybody else is doing it. Well, so Healy's doing it, Jordan Syed's doing it, and a lot of other people have had a lot of success with it. Infographics. Infographics were really popular before. They still work. They're still very shareable. Mm -hmm. And these things haven't necessarily gone out of style. People are just experimenting with more ideas. And what I've seen more recently, and if anyone knows uh, Mike Dola, previous guest, good friend of mine, he and I have been talking recently. So he started sharing his ideas. And if you go to his Instagram and actually see what I'm talking about, he's got a very similar Twitter style, but it's not an actual Twitter caption. It's probably Canva, the program. And he's got a written caption. He's got an image of himself and his name. And he alternates the colors across, I think it's five different colors over the different days. And they're clean, crisp, they're uncluttered. They look fantastic and they are very shareable. They're also very shareable because he writes really great stuff, very interesting stuff. So again, clean, crisp images. Um, it doesn't have to be the thing that everybody's doing, but if you're fighting too hard to be different, you might get away from something that's actually like a shareable, familiar pattern. So just look around the industry, Think about the stuff you tend to share. Who are the people you follow who have really shareable, interesting things? <clears throat> Spencer Nadalski. Spencer Nadalski has done really, really well with this. He stuff. is fucking great at social media. His Instagram is amazing. And he also puts a lot of memes in there. He'll take a, you know, what, what, like literally politicians without being political about it or some other pop cultural reference and embed fitness, usually nutrition based stuff in there. Uh, weight loss stuff, you know, medical stuff on occasion. And the memes are great, but he puts out a lot of really shareable information. So if you want to have more people find you, people have to be sharing your work into their stories. And like, for example, just as the time of recording here, I have a post that has been shared 1300 times. It's the 
you know, the kids in gym environments post, uh, and it's three days old. It's continuing to be shared like mad. It's showing up on big accounts all over. More and more people are finding, and Instagram, for whatever reason, flagged it as being COVID misinformation. It's not. It's just probably the, the phrase expose children to gyms and workout environments. And it probably just went, expose children. This sounds like virus stuff. Up, oh, we're going to flag it. So people are actually getting pissed off about it and almost sharing it more and coming and commenting more. So it just continues to drive the post higher and higher and higher. So it's at the forefront of everybody's algorithm. Now, further point of shareability. The more people are sharing it, the more people are saving it, the more it'll show up on other people's feeds and the more people will then be interacting with it. So that this is the quality side of things too. If it's shareable and if it's something that people are engaging with and are interested in, which practice over time, refine your message, then you're going to see more and more traction with people. And if it gets to a certain point, you develop a reputation. And, and I've gotten this feedback as a destination that people really go to because they're like, all right, what is he going to write today? What is she going to do today? To where you're seeking this out, you're waiting for something really, really good. There are people that I found on social media, I'm just like, this person writes really good stuff. If anybody knows who Neil Strauss is, I don't even know what this guy's background is, but he's famous for only these Twitter posts. He's not even a fitness industry guy. He's just popular in our world. And he writes really cool philosophical stuff. He's one of the few accounts outside of fitness I actually follow, but it's a destination for stuff. In the fitness industry, a guy I recently linked up with and I started seeing his stuff and I'm like, man, this guy's stuff is better than mine. Danny Matranga. So we've been talking and I'm going to have him on the podcast and he's going to have me on his. We didn't go, you know, quote was... Quid pro, pro quo, but it just sort of happened that way. But he writes really, really great stuff, Twitter style. And it's like, all right, I want to see what he's going to say next. And he's done really well with his following. Matty Fusaro, same sort of thing. Matty does really well with this. So if you work really tirelessly at it consistently, like you said, over time, you can develop a reputation with your circle that people are just like, all right, I really got to show up and see what's going on here. Yeah, it's it's the long game that you have to focus on, right? Like, one one of the biggest pitfalls is like just selling out. Well, I don't. I hate the, the term selling out. That's so that's so cliched. But like taking the easy way out and trying to ride on trends, like whether it's a hashtag trend or like fucking eating. What what, what were those kids goddamn doing? Like eating tripods. Tripods. Yeah, oh god, tripods. Sorry, tripods. I would like to see someone eat a tripod. That would be insane. Uh, eating tripods, like. Selling, selling out to whatever is trending at the moment is very tempting because you can probably get a lot of traffic, but being trendy is never a sustainable path to growing your brand because here's the, here's the like insider tip about trends, like trends die. They are very temporary. They don't, they're not sustainable. They're not long-term paths to actual professional success. If you really want to develop your brand and develop a following, you have to focus on the long term or the long game. And that means being very consistent with your content, focusing on refining your content. And the way you can do that is just paying attention to what your followers are actually reacting to. What are they sharing a lot of? Like what what are the patterns in their behavior? Like, what do they like? What are they commenting on? Then focus on that type of content, create more of that type of content, and you'll see your brand slowly growing. Like trying to do too much too soon is going to just 
cause your brand to burn out and have people kind of turn off your brand really quickly. It's really hard to convince someone once you've already made a first impression that they should give your brand or your account another shot, to be quite honest with you. Think about first impressions of a person, right? The moment you have a really negative first impression of someone, like, oh, this person is scatterbrained or like this person's content sucks, what are the chances that you're going to give them another chance and go back to their account? You're not. You're going to unsubscribe or just keep browsing and never look back. Let's let's flush out that I'm not trying to do too much, especially for the newer trainer. Mm-hmm. It's important when you're looking at the you know, the industry leaders, prominent people, you know, I'll, I'll pick a few examples of people that I really like, you know, you get your Luca Hosevar, I, I reference frequently because I, I like plugging into the, his work ethic and what he does. Or, you know, Jordan Syatt's another good example. Let's start with Luca. You know, Luca is very, very active. Everything he films, he talked about this, goes up on his YouTube. So his YouTube is done really well. He has a podcast, a bigger life podcast, and a second podcast with his friend that's more his business podcast. He owns a gym. He is a gym owner. He also has a business uh, coaching fitness professionals. He has a, I think a project now, I know at least a couple of friends of mine are doing it where he's teaching people to build online coaching businesses. He's got his hands in a lot of stuff. He runs a conference and then, you know, shit, well, who, who do I emulate in a sense? And it's not like directly going, Hey, I'm trying to be like Luca, but I have a podcast. I write long form articles. I, uh, I, I am the MC and organizer of, you know, co-organizer of a conference. You were a speaker at our first, you know, round of yep. that. Um, you know, I'm a full-time coach. I have a small online coaching business. Oh shit. I haven't even mentioned this online neighbor and I'm not even going to push this. I always make fun of business coaches, but I have uh, been doing a mentorship for a small number of coaches and it's, eh, it's getting close to filled up. I said, I was going to cap it at 10. I had the extra bandwidth during the, the COVID lockdown. So I wasn't able to work as much just in my home gym. Didn't have access to evolve. And not everybody just felt like coming and training right now. So I opened it up and just put it on like my story a couple of times and got a ton of interest. So you know what? I'll throw it out there. Just if anybody's curious about it, just send me a message and ask me questions. But there's all these sort of things. But if you're just starting out and trying to gain traction, the last thing you should do is feel pressure to try to do this. Uh, you know, where I was going to go with with Luca and, and Jordan is they have resources with them. Like Jordan Syatt literally has a videographer that he pays to follow him around to do all this stuff, this production, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Um, you know, he has partners in his business ventures where Susan Niebergall and Mike Vacanti are with him on his two major projects, the inner circle. And, and I don't know him and Mike, I, I feel bad. I can't remember the exact name of their fitness uh, trainer mentorship, but you know, it's, it's an excellent thing. So they have people with them. I mean, look at Renaissance periodization. It looks like Mike is really pro like, well, shit, he puts out a ton of stuff, but he's also built a team around him and he's going to have people who take care of a lot of little things. You as a trainer are literally doing everything. You probably don't have a virtual assistant. You are creating all of your own content. You are uploading everything. You are coaching your own clients. You are responding to all the messages back and forth. So you're right. It would be ludicrous to try to be in all places at once. Yeah. You can add pieces on as you master things in your flow. Yeah, that's why, that's why like context matters. I'm saying, it's okay to take on more projects, but starting with a lot of shit on your plate way too soon, that is, you're basically dooming yourself <laughs> and you are guaranteeing your failure because you're going to burn out. And it's a little bit naive to assume that you can tackle 
everything simply because one of your role models or one of the fit pros that you look up to can do this, like it's doing the same thing. Like context matters, like Mike Isertel and everyone else, they have the resources to tackle all of those projects. They have a team of actual paid professionals tackling like videos, like graphic design, copywriting, like web development. When you are a one man show, you have to be very well aware of not just the restrictions on like your finances, what you can afford to contract out, but just your mental bandwidth, your time bandwidth and focus on what you think will help you in the long run. Um, and if you do have the funds then definitely spend a little bit of money if you can on things that you think could help your brand that you aren't necessarily equipped to do. So like one of the things I've noticed um, with Fit Pros recently is this weird move. It's not weird. I understand like the decision to do this, but like this move to like long form captions for Instagram, um, oddly enough, very profound sounding captions. And half of the captions I've been reading are very poorly written. And I don't want to shit on people, but here's the thing. If you're trying to pretend to do something that you're like, be someone you're not and do something that you're not really well equipped to do, people will see through that. They can see through a facade. They can see where your gaps and skill sets are, and it's going to make your brand look less refined. And that drives home the importance of actually focusing on what you already are good at. Focus on what you're already good at, whether that's video content, whether that is actually writing, uh, or whether that's like creating memes, mm. grow your brand around that. And then hopefully your brand will grow big enough where you can actually have the funds to source or outsource, like for most people would be writing or content creation. Because content creation and copywriting is very, very hard. Like copywriting, people think you can take a workshop and you're, you're fine. Or like you can read a book on copywriting and you'll be good. That's not, it's not that easy. Like copywriting and content creation takes a lot of time to really master. It takes not just a lot of uh, practice in writing, but it takes a lot of reading. You have to read a fuck ton of books, a fuck ton of blogs and a fuck ton of content in order to develop this understanding of like language, uh, what actually like vibes well with a reader, especially based on like what your demographic is. And that's, that's where a lot of people get it so wrong is that they're trying to do too much too soon they crash and burn or they create this really confusing brand for themselves where people don't know what they're actually trying to articulate or what they're trying to convey and offer their audience. Yeah, you were I sound like such a hater right now, by the way. <laughs> I just realized, I, I just heard myself. I'm like, oh my God, I am so sorry if you think I'm talking about you guys. Well, I mean, it's also a dose of reality for a lot of people who may, may be struggling with this. And I really hope that mm. everything kind of goes, okay, you know, I feel like this does apply to me and yet I am struggling a little bit with making the impact that I want to make. So maybe I have to triage a little bit. So you know, I think you and I probably would agree on this. I suspect you'll agree that, you know, people probably need to really work hard on one, maybe as many as two social media platforms. And I think yeah. Instagram's a great place. If you also like Facebook, Facebook's not bad. I traditionally did well with Facebook. Now I love Instagram. I have no problems at TikTok. Friends of ours like Chad Hargrove and, and Jordan Syatt, they've actually embraced it. A lot of people malign it. 
it's a growth opportunity and it's an underutilized environment in our industry. You can gain a lot of connections if you are not building an email list with it or funneling people back to your other things like your Instagram, at least, then I think you're missing out on its potential, right? It's very yes. easy to grow following on it. It's not something that I've, I've decided, okay, it's one more thing for me. I'm not going to do it. Uh, despite Jordan's urgings, I just thought, okay, I've got to double down on Instagram and that's paid off for me. Yeah. And then perhaps pick one form of long, one, one long form content creation vehicle. I think long form writing, article writing is a great idea. Get a website. I, I think it's awesome. Podcasting can work. I think that there are a lot of podcasts out there. It can be a little trickier to gain traction, get people to listen to it. So I think you have to, that should be a little established with that one. And I think YouTube has a ton of potential, especially if you're very good on camera and you're very good with video editing and, and understanding how YouTube works. I don't feel very strong on that realm, so I don't embrace YouTube at all. Yeah. The best thing is to look at the people that you know who are already really good at YouTube and just learn from them. Yeah, you you need to just focus on what you're good at. And just just think about it this way. Like, imagine, imagine if you were to actually try to like, explore YouTube and try to like build a brand on YouTube. And like you said, you probably wouldn't be very good at it, but you're going to be putting a lot of time and effort into it. Imagine what you can do with that time and how you can use that time. If you were to funnel it into your Instagram account, if you were to funnel it into your writing, both of which you're very good at and you've already had success in. So your ROI would be much higher. Yeah. Think, just, just think of your time as money, invest your money very smartly and very cautiously. Yeah. Let's, let's dig now into your thoughts on the people who are probably more struggling to get started on these things. Cause we sort of started out from the people who are maybe already doing it, but have failed to gain the kind of traction they want. So are there any specific or unique pieces of advice for the person who is procrastinating from actually beginning to do long form stuff. Maybe it's more in more with social media, but they're roadblocked. Yeah. So, um, I think the, how do I, how do I word this politely? This, this is why I seldom go on podcasts or like present myself on social media anymore. I can be like a little bit too polarizing <laughs> in terms of honesty, like typical Asian tiger mom. Um, I think the nicest way to put this is be very well aware of what you are good at and what you're not good at. And remember that you don't have to be amazing or perfect. Um, that sounds really vague. So an example would be, um, I know a lot of people who, including myself, who like want to start a website, want to start a blog, and they've been sitting on the idea for months. And the reason why they've been sitting on the idea for months is because they, they can never be quite happy or content with how the website looks or how their first article sounds. And you need to understand that, especially when you're first starting off, your content is going to be like, your content is not going to be that great in the perspective of like you two years, one year, even six months down the road, but everyone has to start somewhere. And the only favor you can do yourself at this point is just start. It's, it's like email marketing. So like 
currently like the thing that I'm really obsessed with right now is email marketing because I love, love long form content. I love typing out like long emails and trying to figure out how to optimize them. Um, people ask me, well, how do you write good emails? How do you write good email funnels? And I say, you have to test it. You can speculate as much as you want on whether your readers will like that content or not and how they will respond to it. But at the end of the day, that's just all theory. You need to put it out into the universe. You need to test it out. And then you look at the analytics and the data, or in this case, how people respond to your content. Then you go back to the drawing board and you continue to refine. And with more practice, and especially as you become more thoughtful about your content curation, you're going to naturally just get better. With practice and attention, you will always, always have a chance to improve. There's, there's no doubt about that. Whether that's like nominal improvements or not, um, that's up to you. You said this earlier, you know, you've got to get started and you can't be afraid of, you're, you're not going to be great at a lot yeah. of Yeah, don't be afraid of sucking. Everyone sucks. And so this question definitely ties into an article I wrote recently for True Coach, and a lot of hopefully a lot of people read it because I know it was really popular. Five lies you tell yourself why you aren't why you aren't creating and sharing content, and I mean, some of the basic ones are, you know, people are afraid that that others are going to criticize them, which no, they're not really. People aren't interested in doing that. It's just a lie you tell yourself. It's the whole point of the article, or you know, people think that their following is too small. Well, first of all. There's a huge advantage to starting out with a small following if you're also starting with content creation. There's not a lot of eyes on you. And the people who are watching are probably more loyal people who you know kind of through your social environment anyway, or your early in followers who really like you. Those people, A, are gonna be a little more forgiving as you polish it. And mm -hmm. with a smaller following, if your early stuff isn't that great, there's not as many eyes on you as you quote suck and you get better and work through that process. And as it starts to gain traction, more people are sharing it, it gets better. And then more people start coming in. Well, you've already, you're already on the road to being better at it. And then one of the big ones, I think this is huge. If, if you listening feel this one, I want you to message me. You know, you think it's all been said before. Okay, go look at my Instagram. There aren't too many of those ideas on there that are super original. One of the most successful posts I've ever had was another version of the lifting weights doesn't make women bulky. And here are all the benefits of strength training. There's not a goddamn original thought in that, you know, but for whatever reason, it resonated. People loved it. It got shared like crazy and it brought new followers in. And why on earth am I special compared to you where I can write that and gain traction, but you can't because, well, you know, all these other people are saying it. Here's something important. Let's say you've got a thousand followers or 2000. How many of those 2000 followers are following the notable industry leaders, the people you follow and you look up to maybe a small segment of them. How many of those people know you as their go-to fitness person, or that's the goal you have. That's a goal you should have is uh, Jonathan Goodman talks about this top of mind marketing and a lot of his stuff. You really want to be top of their minds even if they're pre-contemplative in terms of like the, the buying cycle where they are to where eventually someone in their world starts talking about, you know, wanting to lose weight or get in shape or it rolls around to another January or they decide, hey, I need to make some lifestyle change. And you have been there for two years putting out consistent fitness information. You're the person they know. They know your integrity. They like you. You're the person they're going to message. 
for themselves or their referral. And this is what you want. And if you get held back by thinking, well, it's all been said before because someone else has done it, well, you'll A, never establish this for yourself. And the people that are following you, again, they probably haven't seen it before. Or, you know, if you use the same sort of ideas, you know, maybe multiple times, so Healy, and I talked about this on her episode, not everybody sees it on the algorithm, right? So maybe it's the first time they see it, or you've gotten new followers, they're seeing it for the first time from you, or maybe someone's seen it eight times before, but it didn't resonate because they weren't in that place where they were ready to make those lifestyle changes. And they saw it on the very day they needed to, and bam, that's when it clicked. Absolutely. There are so many different factors when it comes to content consumption. And in order in order to like know what works and what doesn't, you need to just act on it. Like you can speculate as much as you want, like I said, but at the end of the day, sometimes it just boils down to it was the right timing for that person when they were going through their feed and your content popped up. Or actually sometimes it's as simple as hey, maybe you've completely overestimated your follow- like your followers' demographic. Um, one of the pieces of advice I like to give to a lot of content creators and like business owners, especially when they're developing new products, is you need to remember that you're creating content or a product for your followers, not for you. Your followers typically don't represent you. And I know this because the reason why they're following you is because they're looking towards you as an expert which means you know more typically than your followers do about this topic. So don't be afraid. Like you're, you're not creating content for your peers. You're creating content for your clients and your followers and you need to focus on that. And you're sure as shit not creating content for industry leaders. So maybe you're listening and who knows, maybe somebody you really looked up, look up to follows you, or maybe a whole bunch do. They're still hmm. a very, very tiny minority of the, the people. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay, we've talked about Mike Isertel already. So I don't write things for Mike Isertel's approval. I consider him to be one of the most intelligent and knowledgeable people in our industry. I focus on sharing things that are geared towards the type of people in my following. And in doing so, Mike has on several occasions decided he really likes this, and his turnaround and shared it not just in his story, but on his actual Instagram wall, which has driven a lot of followers to me. That's kind of cool. But I didn't set out to gain Mike's approval. Uh, so that's one of the biggest fears is people either think it's got to be so good that it passes scrutiny with industry leaders, which trust me, they're by and large not paying attention. They're too busy for that shit. Or they're worried about writing in a language that would appeal to God forbid you're too deeply into the evidence-based world where you're trying to write something that sounds like a research paper. So convoluted. You want to go way over the head. <laughs> For the layperson, it is way too much. Yeah, and I, and I think most people fundamentally understand these things, I, I, but I still think they can get held back by these things. So I, the other major concept I wrote in there is you just feel like you need to learn more. You're not, you haven't earned the right yet to, to start creating content or Honestly, if you've been in the industry for six months and you've worked with clients and you've changed their lives and helped them and they really like you, think about all the conversations you've had. Like you said earlier, it's the stuff you know. Write the stuff that you know about, you feel confident about. Don't worry about the big realm of stuff that you don't. But hmm. start from a place that, okay, you've already seen this stuff work. It's resonated with some of the people in front of you. So go there, right? Yeah, the- start with what you're familiar with. 
And the conversations you're having with your clients, you know, when you get an idea of something that, oh shit, this client asked a really good question and I, here's the answer, make sure you've got the ability to write that note down so you can turn around and later and share it on social media because that's going to be one of the best gold mines for content ideas that you can you can have. I'm always putting things in my notes section of my tablet to come back to later or else I'll, they'll be forgotten and I won't, I'll be like, shit, I had this great idea. I have no clue what it was. I like to scribble my notepad a lot too. I don't know why I said that. That was so random. But yeah, I, I like to scribble a lot on my notepad. I always have one right in front of me just in case like that thought escapes. So like sometimes in the middle of a video conference, I'd be like, oh God, I have this idea. I know I'm probably not going to write about it for like a year or two, but I'm just going to scribble it on my like notepad. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, especially you mentioned influencers don't really pay attention. They really don't. And when they do, pay attention. It's typically to content that resonates with them because it's useful. That's why they share it. They share it because it's useful, not because they think it sounds profound, not because they, they like the styling of <laughs> your graphics. It's because it's useful. And they think that their audience would benefit from this information or this meme or whatever. Exactly. So it, it's, it's, these are just things that all this list are things that people can conveniently use to ultimately procrastinate from the difficult task of putting yourself out there, being vulnerable, putting your inner workings on display to be, you know, to be judged by the world. And honestly, the world is not as judgmental as you think it is, especially if you don't yet have much of an established following. And as it grows, you will occasionally encounter, you know, assholes and trolls and, and difficult people, and you will learn to deal with them. I get them yes. once in a while. And if I see that someone has ill intent and is being disingenuous, I am very quick to delete and ban, block them, get rid of them. I have no obligation to allow that person to enter my emotional space and interfere with my day. And if you get someone who just is, you know, has a differing of opinion and they're conversational and perhaps even a little argumentative, well, you know what? You also have to be able to get in there and, and stand up for your point of view and have those kind of conversations. And just not be an asshole to everybody who doesn't uh, love everything you say and agree with everything you say. I mean, but here's the thing. Um, so first of all, if you want to create a public brand and most business owners don't really have a choice, you do have to create a public brand on Instagram, then you do need to be mentally prepared and kind of toughen up a little bit, prepare yourself for the day where you're going to get enough traction where people will troll you on in the comment section. Um, but I mean, that's again, drives home the importance of starting with something that you're more familiar with because you are more likely to have an easier like chance. I don't like, yeah, easier chance of defending yourself or at least defending the content that you're promoting. If you genuinely understand that content, if you know what you're talking about, if you don't, and you're actually creating, and I see this quite a bit, you're creating content about a topic that you don't really understand. People know, especially trolls, they can smell that from a mile away. And honestly, you're fucked. You're going to look like an idiot. Every once in a while, you'll see someone in our space who gets just a little hint of understanding how human movement works and they pretend they're a biomechanics expert. Oh my God. And then they put out a whole bunch of stuff and then get their ass handed to them because, you know, they don't know what they're talking about and then they become assholes instead of actually being able to defend their position but you know what that's not most people and and ultimately i don't want to make people scared of this yeah thing. don't be paranoid guys this doesn't happen often we're we're, <laughs> we're 
this sort of stuff will be very rare unless you achieve that astonishing level of, you know, reach very quickly. And if you want to see some great examples of how to handle this stuff, again, Spencer Nadolsky, every once in a while he'll post the lunacy that people come at him with, especially if he ever posts anything about um, aspartame or diet drinks or whatever, like just the, the yes. worst of the, the internet just shows up just to be assholes to him. So he, he'll, he'll laugh at it. He usually makes fun of him. So, and that's Spencer probably- handles it very well. He, he was built for this. Yeah, he's someone you guys should be paying attention to. So I guess one of the other thoughts I had before we wrap this one up, are there any, let me get my notes up because I want to make sure I get this right. Do you feel like there's any low, low value behaviors that coaches are spending too much time on, um, which is interfering with either them really getting started or making a lot of headway with their uh, content creation and brands? Oh, that's a loaded question. I've, I've never thought about that. Let me let me take a moment. Uh, I'll give an example of a low value behavior. Yeah. Is scrolling on social media. That is going onto other people's feeds and participating in arguments and discussions that are not directly valuable to you and your brand. If you go onto someone's feed who you're supporting and respect and it appear and participating in something they've shared in a constructive way. That can be very valuable. But as I've seen all too often, there are just these unrelated to our industry arguments on Facebook is worse for this than Instagram in general. And I see this stuff and it's it's usually the same people all the time. And there's two things that are true of them. One is they tend to get into debates outside of their scope of knowledge and outside of the industry. And two, and I don't mean to be mean when I say this, but there are people that are really going nowhere in their careers. They have not, they're not just early on and haven't established yet, but they're people who've been around for a while who have absolutely faltered in the ability to develop any sort of brand recognition or success beyond maybe their immediate coaching world. I mean, damn it. That would be the only thing I would actually (laughs) mention. Uh, I was going to say internet fights, but that's basically it. Yeah, I see way too many people participating in fights in Facebook comments. It doesn't happen as much as Facebook as it does. Like on Instagram, Instagram is weird. Instagram is like ADD central, but fights don't happen as often, I think because there aren't really threads. Whereas Facebook, like the comment threads can just get out of control. And you'll see a lot of people just kind of, like you said, step out of their scope of knowledge just so they can be seen or be heard. Everyone's really obsessed with being heard. And I think that's the reason why they engage in this type of behavior. It's just so tempting to just say something to contribute and then get sucked into it. I'll give you guys another example of a low value behavior that might surprise people a little bit. So if you listen to industry leaders, Jonathan Goodman's great for this stuff. you should probably be spending less time on your, and I'm not saying devalue this or no time on, but your technical training skills and knowledge as a, as a trainer. And you should be spending more time and effort on your business skills. So I think what ends up happening is trainers will often continue to do what's safe and read up on biomechanics and movement and Oh, there's another article on how to do a Romanian deadlift when you've already read 15. Okay, cool. Well, what's the point of that? I mean, shit, I write this kind of stuff for T Nation. And yeah, it's geared towards coaches. And I learned a ton reading it over the years. 
Mm-hmm. But I spend a ton of time reading business books, branding books, marketing books, writing books, and philosophical stuff that's helped along the way. And the, the content consumption can be a trap that you get caught into that can procrastinate you from actually creating as well. And we know that when we've talked about that before, I've written on that. But I think it's a really good idea to step outside the biomechanics research and reading and make sure you're addressing weak points, especially if you are struggling on the business side of what you're doing. And there are a ton of books and resources out there on content creation. I'm trying to remember what it's part of Donald Miller's brand. Um, and I wish I could remember the author. It's a female author who's really wonderful. And it's, uh, it's something building social media brand. Um, and it's Donald Miller's brand is like the story. What is it? What's, what devil is that book name? I apologize, guys, because it should be top of mind, but I'm actually quite tired right now. So, uh, yeah, yeah, guys, it's it's actually midnight. <laughs> so, so you are forgiven. Arnold's book is building a story brand, and then there's using the building a story brand uh, for social media. Anyway, so great book, and you get books like Contagious by Jonah Berger, I think it's pronounced, or Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. And there's there's certainly a lot more. If you're interested in this stuff, shoot me a message. But there's a lot of good stuff out there that can actually help you get better at the business brand marketing media side of your work. Because I have a feeling that most of the deficiencies where you're struggling are probably that. I doubt you're having any trouble with your personal relationships with your clients. And I doubt you're struggling with the coaching side of stuff. It's always good to develop coaching skills. And I really doubt that there's a lacking in technical training knowledge in, in your world. I bet you're amazing at that stuff. So, you know, those can become low value activities if you continue to double down on them and not address the, the things that you are, you feel like you're struggling with. Yeah, I think, I think, well, the overarching topic of this podcast episode seems to accidentally be focus. <laughs> it actually, now that I realize that we're both like exhausted because it's the end of the day and midnight for us, but um, it seems to be focused oddly enough. So when it comes to building your brand and building your online business, you need to focus on what your goal is. And your goal at this point is to bring in as much traffic as possible through the door. And unfortunately to do that, it's, you don't necessarily need to develop, I say unfortunately, but fortunately as well, you don't need to develop your actual like skill sets in like training or whatever, or nutrition knowledge. It's, it's engaging people who are passing by your social media page and convincing them to like step foot through that door, look at more content and eventually follow then of course, please always remember to redirect them to your email list. Like for God's sakes, guys, the number of people who focus so much on developing their social media brand and not have an actual email list drives me absolutely insane. If you're trying to build a business, you have to focus on engagement and then conversion. Engagement and conversion. If you're trying to become a, uh, I don't know, an, an expert, or a writer, then that's a little bit different. Of course, you're gonna need to focus more on the educational route. Um, That means expanding your, I don't know, your degrees or your collections of PhDs or whatever. But at this point, we're talking about new business owners 
and influencers and whatever. And in that case, like, yeah, read a little bit more about marketing, read a lot of, read a lot about content curation and pay attention to what other industry leaders are doing. Like, I understand the temptation to be different and unique, but honestly, at the end of the day, there are a lot of best practices that you're not really paying attention to, which you can easily implement for your own business. And once you do, you're going to start to see things improve. I'm going to let you go to sleep. I know you got uh, to get your day started tomorrow and get some sleep. <laughs> Appreciate the time to come chat. It's always great to catch up. So, you know, as you've said, you're not super active on your media, but let's still make sure people know where to find you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at it's Carolyn Mac, literally ITS Carolyn Mac, or you can go uh, to the art of getting shit I haven't written on that website in a long time, but the content is still evergreen. I think you will benefit quite a bit from the articles that currently exist. I will, I promise, eventually update the content and post new content. Um, surprisingly, once a month, not not much to most of you, but to me, it's a lot to a nobody like me. Once a month, I still get messages from like one or two people saying, hey, so I haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, are you <laughs> releasing new content soon? I'm like, oh my God, who are you? <laughs> it tells you that people are, are interested, right? Which is cool. And I've written an article for your website that people can find there as well. That's Yeah, uh, it's about content creation. You know, uh, create more, consume less. Definitely aligned with some of the stuff we're talking about here, and uh, and that one actually got uh, got chosen as, as a 2019 um, career. It was the number one career category article for the PTDC's um, annual um, article list. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. So in the meantime, you know, a if people are interested, they could always go and sign up for your email list on your website, seeing as we talked about that. And it's also something I've been focusing on too. So I really encourage people to do this stuff. My friend Tara Arndt set mine up and Tara is really wonderful. If you are someone who's interested in exploring this stuff, again, shoot me a message on Instagram. That's where everybody can get a hold of me. And I'll get you, I'll link you up directly with Tara if you want to learn more. Even if you just want to start following Tara, it's a shit. You know what? I'd better make sure I spell this correctly. So, because uh, I don't want to make a mistake here. So I'm going to open this up and in the meantime, um, you know, if you want to check out my website, andrewcoatsfitness.com, I'm going to start writing more and more for it. And uh, I'm also gathering email it, uh, an email list on it as well. So that's important. So Tara, let's find Tara for you guys. It's Tara underscore A-R-N-D-T. And uh, that's her Instagram. And, uh, or just search for Tara A-R-N-D-T. And it'll pop up. Uh, she's into email marketing, so that hopefully is helpful at least to someone. In the meantime, uh, guys, thanks for uh, staying, listening to our uh, tired ramblings tonight. Thanks for always uh, tuning in. I really appreciate it. We'll be back next week with uh, a brand new guest again. And in the meantime, um, as I've asked a couple times here, I'd love to hear from you guys. So reach out to me on Instagram, and I look forward to connecting with you all in the near future. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Thank you for having me. Good night, y'all. <laughs>